This is the Personal Finance Show. Hi, I'm Bo Humphreys, and this is The Personal Finance Show. Bessie Hassan is passionate about helping people find better deals and save money. Bessie is the Australian head of PR and money expert at Australia's largest financial comparison site, finder.com.au. I reached out to Bessie for the Australian Personal Finance Series because I think it's so important to provide everyday consumers with as much information as possible so they can make informed financial decisions. Not only does Bessie do that at Finder, she does it in a way that is relatable and accessible and helps promote financial literacy. I met up with Bessie at the Finder headquarters in downtown Sydney or Central Business District, CBD, if you're Australian, where she shared her personal finance story. Funnily enough, for all my birthday parties, family would often give me money. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a child, that's not what you want. You want you want the of course, toys. Yeah, money doesn't mean anything to you, exactly. does it? Exactly. <laughs> so I'd kind of roll my eyes every birthday and be like, oh, not money again. <laughs> nice. So, uh, until I was a teenager and I realized, oh, this actually means something. There's actual value here and I can walk into the toy shop and buy whatever the hell I want. Mm-hmm. And it was only then that I really started to appreciate it. Had you saved it up for- I had saved it up. So my parents had drilled into me at a very early age the Mm. importance of saving. And, of course, I thought that was boring and meaningless at the time. Mm -hmm. But once I'd seen what money could buy, it really uh, did start to resonate with me. And and I'd um, set little savings goals, although they weren't that at the time. Really? Yeah. That early? Yeah. I guess it was more about buying the Barbie that I wanted or (laughs) or the book that I wanted. But when when you think back... That is how it all all started for mm-hmm. me. And I did very quickly begin to appreciate the value of money and also how quickly you can lose it or or spend it and, and then it's gone. So the importance of making the right decision with well, these, these are valuable lessons to learn early, right? If you have kids and you just buy them the Barbie that they want, they don't really learn anything. And then what? They get to university and, and they get a credit card or something and... That's exactly. when they learn the hard, the hard way, right? Absolutely. And something that I want to do now with my two kids, mm-hmm. who are six and eight, is try to instill those good savings habits in them at an early age mm-hmm. and encourage them to save. And then I can match whatever their savings are. Nice. Obviously up to a limit. I don't want to be buying them cars or anything. <laughs> I'm too extravagant just yet. But if, if they're saving 10 or $20, I'll happily match that. They, nice. Yeah. I also did school banking here in Australia. Okay, um, what, what is that? Yeah, it's almost a, a rite of passage. A lot of sure. kids have a, a Dolomites account. And okay. that, that's uh, with the Commonwealth Bank, which is our biggest bank here in Oz. 
Um, and every Tuesday morning, we, we'd bring our bank books to, to school and get, get it stamped and watch our savings grow. Okay. So it's not so much about how much you're saving. Sure. Um, you could be putting a $2 coin in the pouch that week, but you would over the year watch your savings grow. And because your friends were, were saving with you at the same time, it became quite a, a nice, friendly, but competitive little habit. So how is this coordinated? Through the, through the schools and the banks combined? Correct. Yeah. So it's um, an initial from the bank they uh, they've got affiliations with certain schools mm-hmm. it's quite popular quite widespread here and it's a weekly uh, savings initiative so they uh, parent volunteers take your savings stamp your bank book and now they've actually changed it up a little bit my kids do it and every week they'll collect a token okay and then once you get 10 tokens, you, you're entitled to a prize, which might be a glitter pen or a, a bouncy ball so or something like that. So it still teaches savings. It teaches savings. And also it's not based on how much you're saving, which yes. is great. So your, your, your peer at school could be putting, uh, could be saving $50 that week and you might only be saving 50 cents. It doesn't matter. You'll both get the same token. You get your token. Okay. <laughs> That's good because people are in different socioeconomic uh, buckets, exactly. right? And maybe you go to the same school. Absolutely. Common here to have, like, I mean, for public schools, I guess you probably have private schools as well for for kids. Yeah, Uh, we've got both, and you're right, there's a a really wide cultural and socioeconomic mm -hmm. mix as well. But the good thing is that the school and um, the students alike are, are learning those savings habits from a pretty early age. Yeah, so you did you did this. I did this. But you, so you had the book and you stamped? I did. And the <laughs> funny thing is here at Finder, in my current role, we do a lot of consumer research. And mm-hmm. we asked them earlier in the year how many Australians still bank with their childhood banks. Interesting. And it was over 40% of Aussies. So I guess there's there's a lot to that. On one hand, there's a set and forget mentality. Yeah. So people sign up and then don't look elsewhere. They when don't they... want to change. It's it's hard to change. Absolutely. Yeah. There's that resistance to change. But then on the other hand, there could be a better offer out there for you. That's right. Is loyalty still a thing uh, for like millennials, say? A thing. Less so for millennials. Yeah. So this is people who have been been around for a bit maybe a generation x uh, exactly. has loyalty and then now it's more about like because there's there's probably no fee options and stuff like that exactly here yeah absolutely and that's a really big thing here as a comparison site we're always encouraging people to review their finances on a regular basis mm-hmm. with health insurance for example we found that aussies stick with the same health fund for 12 years on average okay that also means that you're not typically getting the savings that comes with shopping around yes yeah how does healthcare uh, work here it's a two-tiered system is that right it's a complex multi-tiered yeah system. It's, a, it's a complex one it's a bit of a minefield here there are sure. thousands of policies okay yeah um over 30 different providers is there some free healthcare as well yeah there's some free um healthcare under the medicare system yeah. but um Private healthcare is also quite popular. Mm-hmm. We encourage, the government's actually encouraging younger people to take out healthcare before they turn 31. Okay. Otherwise, you'll be hit with a 2% surcharge for every year that you don't have health insurance. Interesting. Okay. So if you're taking out health insurance for the first time at 41, it'll cost you 20% more wow. than someone who um, okay. took it out in their 20s, for example. And that's just to encourage younger people to take it out and um, take the pressure off the public system. Okay. It's also dependent on your income. So if you're a single person earning more than $90,000 a year, Mm -hmm. 
or part of a couple earning 180,000 a year, you should take out health insurance for tax reasons. Okay, because you're going to take a hit? Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Medicare levy surcharge. Yeah, it's just interesting to talk about the differences because we do see kind of Australia and Canada as being very, very similar. Yeah. But of course, the governmental and political differences would be the main things, right? And we're yeah. both Commonwealth countries. So we have a fully, uh, I, I call it free because we don't have to pay for it, but we pay through our taxes, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm sure we could compare the tax levels and, and then find out what's actually free or not. Yeah. But uh, it's good to discuss what the options are. So yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's been uh, a toy to around as to whether it'd be better to have uh, some private and some public health care in Canada as well. So mm-hmm. how, like, how is it working out for Australia generally? Is it a positive thing to have all of the different levels? I do think uh, more and more people are becoming more cautious, I guess, of the cost of private health care. Mm. So a, a family policy will typically cost you in the vicinity of three, three and a half thousand dollars a year. Okay. It is quite expensive. Premiums rise every year. Okay. Um, in the last decade, they've risen by more than 50%. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So every April 1st, they go up again. And it's really just about weighing it up for your personal situation. Okay. And what I always encourage is to make sure you have a tailored policy. So don't mm-hmm. just be ticking a box for tax reasons and yeah. take out your health insurance. It needs to be tailored. And you can do that by... Um, calling your, your current health fund and asking for an annual claim statement mm. and look at what you've used. Yeah, is it, it worth it? Yeah, and it's baffling how many people don't take pregnancy off their cover once they're finished <laughs> having kids <laughs> yeah, or okay. how many people might be accidentally um, covered for hip replacement or cataract surgery, but they're only in their 20s. Seems like there's a lot of parallels to, to just about anything that we spend money on exactly. here, right? We should do an annual or you know, semi-annual audit Absolutely. Of anything that's that's maybe an automatic thing. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Um, utilities is one as well. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot about bill shock and and even with your mobile phones and things like that. Yeah, that's a big one for sure. Definitely. But um, people are busy. We've got our busy lifestyles. We we get into that set and forget men- mentality. We do. And then we pay the price literally. Yeah. Because we're we're not willing or we don't have the time to jump online and ask for a better deal. And that doesn't always means switching to a better provider it might mean calling your current provider and asking them for a better deal yeah why not and if you don't people ask, are afraid you don't though get. Yeah. yeah it's true if you don't ask you don't get but but people are intimidated by the process aren't they yeah absolutely that and, and i can see where they're coming from at first glance it does seem like a bit of an awkward conversation to have mm-hmm. to have but really the ball is in your court you are the customer here and the customer is king and it's a lot cheaper for them to keep you as a happy customer than to have to go out and recruit new ones. True. So it's often a matter of calling them directly, telling them your situation and being honest. Simply say, I don't think this is the best value for money and I'm willing to look elsewhere if you can't meet me halfway. And often they'll um, either get you a better deal or throw in an inducement or waive fees or or give you some sort of um, better offer to keep you. Yeah. Now, you're very savvy about this stuff now, but I'm guessing you weren't always this way. Like, no. growing up, like, so, 
your your teenager maybe you're headed to uh, university I'm guessing you went to a university yeah I did I did a um, bachelor of business here at UTS nice and, yeah majored in marketing and that I guess is where my love of, of finance really grew right there yeah, yeah even though I you were did, in marketing did you have some finance courses yeah there? I did economics okay. as well and accounting and and that's where I guess I, I started to see it in a different light mm-hmm. um, I'd previously viewed it as quite boring and you know I'd put it in that finance bucket of too hard. Yeah. Too hard. Yeah. I was more into fashion, if you like. But then I, I realized there was a real opportunity for me to break into the area and, and to be, um, you know, a, a young woman in this space with a voice. And yeah. So how was it at the time in terms of equality? Like, you know, when I look back, I see it's a whole bunch of white men who've written books. I looked at the books on my shelf before I left home and it's white man after white man, except for the the most recent uh, ones that in my recent life in Canada, where there's some awesome female authors. Yeah. And then so I've tried to have them on the show. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was like that in Australia. Absolutely. Much the case here. Mm-hmm. And very much that stereotype and that's quite confronting and intimidating yeah. as a person getting into the space you almost feel like a bit of a fraud and like should I be doing this should at I all? be doing this and are people gonna take me seriously and that's unfortunate right because yeah why like who says who makes these rules? who makes these rules <laughs> and, you know rules are there to be broken yes, and um good. yeah once I'd started doing a, a few interviews and, and getting um my voice and my views out there I, I really realized that there was an opportunity out there and that people did resonate with um I guess what what I was saying mm-hmm. yeah because people like you know I, I interviewed um a friend of mine Hamza Khan and uh you know he he grew up not like he's he's in marketing he he went to a school for marketing but his parents wanted him to be you know a doctor or, or you know whatever they felt was important in marketing was kind of frivolous i suppose yeah. and so he had to prove himself and he he always says he would have loved to listen to a podcast and hear a young hamza khan talk about how he's in marketing and he's successful it would have been so inspiring but instead he just heard a whole bunch of people who we couldn't relate to. That is so interesting because that's said here a lot as well. A lot of older, more experienced, more serious economists come out and give advice about the property market, for example. But then on one hand, it's it's difficult to relate to that information because we, we know that they've probably got a really impressive investment portfolio. That's what so, we think, right? So, yeah. So, really, why are you giving me advice on how to save a deposit when you're so far out of the market yeah, yourself? Yeah, I can't do that, you think. Uh, you yeah. know, this is out of my league and uh, if only I could relate to, maybe I could, if you were more like me or like... You know, if you said it in a more relatable way, is that what you try to do here at Finder a lot? We, we really do. We really um, try to relate to our customers and to the consumers. We put our customers first and, and encourage people to take control of their finances. There's, It's a competitive market out there. We've got new emerging online players popping mm-hmm. up all the time, new online banks, and it's a different era to, I guess, what our parents grew up in, in that they only had the option of the big four banks and then a, a couple of newbies did creep in there. Here, there is just so much to, to choose from and if you're willing to look beyond, I guess, what's traditionally been viewed as the best bank, mm-hmm. you could be saving yourself tens of thousands of dollars a year. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And now you didn't have these options. Uh, I'm assuming you're younger than me. I'm, I was born in 1980. 
84. There you go. Perfect. Okay. So you're closer to my wife's age, yeah. 85. Yeah. And so you're considered to be a millennial, right? Just. just yeah, you're just in. right on a yeah. couple of years in. Some <laughs> yeah. people will say I'm a millennial. There's a couple of definitions that extend it to 80. I think you are. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it depends. Maybe my shirt says I'm a millennial. <laughs> yeah, you're one of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, we only have like five big banks in Canada as yeah. well. So uh, I kind of know the feeling. And so when you're you're graduating with your marketing degree and where are you starting to work and, and you're making money and you're learning about investing or you already did? Yeah, I actually got my first job as soon as I legally could. Okay, I, yeah. I was asking my parents and I guess um, anyone I could if I could get a job in my teens. And mm, yeah. Yeah, for, at 14 and 9 so months, you're, you I started ended way up early. At, yeah. yeah, I started at Target. Just okay, as yeah. a, a casual Thursday nights and weekends. Everyone has this retail experience. Yeah. It's it's like I missed out on this. I worked as a janitor in oh, my dad's dental office. Yeah. But it seems like it just builds so much character and perspective. It really did. I, I loved it on a social level. Mm. We made great friends and just um, on a customer service level yeah, as that's well. It, right? I really t- took that quite seriously. Would try to go out of my way to help uh, any customer I could. And I was there for a couple of years. I then moved on to Hoyt's okay. Cinemas. I know. I don't know movies, what that is. Oh, okay. Movies. It's a movie, yeah. uh, like a Cineplex. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, was there for a bit. And then in my first year of uni, I landed a job in the media. So I... Um, Already wanted, in, in in media. So yeah. what were you, what were you doing? Um, I was at Clio magazine. Okay. It's It was the Australian equivalent of I think Cosmo. I, I think I know Clio. Yeah. yeah. I think I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I got a job there in my first year of uni full time and I, I desperately wanted to work in media. So I accepted that. And how, then, how would you get that just with no experience? No, I'd been work? doing a lot of work experience. So before okay. yeah. internships, I guess, became sure. a thing, I'd volunteer my time in school oh, holidays. Well done. Yeah, just yeah. to suss out the industry and see whether it's where I could see myself full time. So summer, like uh, yeah. a couple of months, you'd uh, go work. Were you able to work at like Clio? Is yeah. that how you got in? Yeah, I'd, I'd do um, yeah stints for a couple of weeks at a time and mm. then stay in touch with the editor and she emailed me one day and said, we actually have a job going as my assistant. Would you be interested? And I remember saying to my parents, these jobs never come up. Yeah. It was a big deal as an 18-year-old. Sure. Yeah. So I took that, I grabbed it with both hands and then switched my un- university classes to night. Okay, so, so you I stayed. So I worked you, 9 able... to 5.30 oh, wow. and then... W- Went to uni six till nine, okay. four nights a week. <laughs> was that, that tough? How tough it built was my this? work ethic. Sure, let's put it, did. it that way. <laughs> um, it was good fun. It was this, a bit, little bit of a struggle. New young, yeah, a bit of a juggle. But I was young yeah. and eager and just happy to be there. So that was really good fun. What do you think and, the motivation to to work was? Like, because a lot of people at eighteen would want to just take a year off and travel and and stuff. Maybe you even did some of that too. But why why was work so important? Do you know? I think I just, I couldn't wait to get started. Mm. I think I, I loved university and I did a great course and it was a great uni, but I couldn't wait to get my hands dirty. And, is know, it creating? Is it What, what, what is it, the so. motivation you want to... I wanted to create content. Make a, you wanted to change the world a little bit, like, you know, to go big with it? Yeah, I don't know about that at that age. <laughs> I mean, that's the long-term plan. Sure. But, um, I did want to get hands-on. Mm. So I've always been a big reader and I'm part of lots of business groups and um, women's societies and things like that I I quite like to get involved and um, contribute create content get 
the word out there, offer advice, try to help people. It makes sense that, that you know that you started so early, and then you're. So, what what is your role here at uh, Finder? Yeah, so um, from journalism, um, I, I switched into PR. Okay, so yeah. So I'm the head of PR here, and um, I lead a quite a big team of, of ten PR professionals. So you lead a team of ten PR professionals. This is this is national. Is this a national? Yep. Uh, you're writing for the whole country, basically, or outside of the country. Um, mostly Australian. Yeah. Yep. So we are a global business, but I'm the head of PR for Australia and Mm. I'm, um, the money spokesperson as well. So I do quite a lot of media and, um, try to, uh, share my money advice and tips with the rest of the country. That's great. So, I mean, to get, you started early. So yeah, I mean, at, uh, so that means you're 30, uh, you'll be 34 this year. Uh, this year. It was your, was your birthday, November. Yeah. Is there a late birthday? Yeah. So yeah, it's pretty amazing and, and definitely inspiring to, for people to start early with what you want. And, oh, thank you. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess I, I am personally a fan of that. I, I think I, I didn't do the gap year travel and I guess uh, to one extent it's a little bit of a, a regret of mine. Sure. I, I never did that. I just wanted to get into the workforce. I've never been one just to study or, or read books. I want to get my hands dirty and, get um, in there. and yeah, really get in there. So I, I try to encourage even the interns here at Finder, yeah. and I've got uh, one great one on my PR team, to get involved, ask questions, do everything that's asked of you with a smile on your face, mm-hmm. go above and beyond. You won't be doing the admin or the photocopying forever. You're just getting your foot in the door. An attitude goes a long way. Yeah, always do it with a smile on your face and ask what else you can do. That's uh, it's definitely good advice. But how f- finance wasn't always like you got to be able to make your way in there. Yeah. So how how are you learning about this, and then how are you able to learn enough to start giving advice and writing about it? Yeah, a lot of it personal experience as well. So I yeah. grew up in a household that was property obsessed. My dad's okay. always been... That's a um, big thing here in Australia, right? Yeah. In terms of investing in property versus in investing in, say, in ETFs or anything else. Okay, Exactly. Yeah. It's all about, we call it the great Australian dream. Okay, yeah. Every Aussie wants a, a house with a backyard and a white picket fence. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, it, and it's a sticky situation at the moment because property is just so expensive oh, here wow. here in I've Australia. Oh, wow. I've heard a few... The median uh, property price is at, at over a million dollars yeah, in right. Sydney. And we're on par with you right now. So that's actually about a million dollars Canadian. So yeah. people can relate. <laughs> yeah. So it, it is really tough, but um, I'd grown up around it. So for me, it became a very early goal as well. Mm, okay. I bought with my partner a our first apartment, a one-bedroom apartment at the age of 22. Wow. Yeah, Amazing. Are you still a... in, in uni at this time? Or? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, no, or sorry. Just, I just finished. Just finished? Yeah, I just finished. I was on a very lousy salary as well. But um... Well, let's get back for one sec. So <laughs> you're Clio in first uh, year, and then how does that evolve throughout university? Are you still working there? Yep. I worked at, at Clio for a few years. So you're making money. You, like I was making money, not very much. To pay for school enough? Or how yeah. does school get paid for School. Here? is really interesting. Um, I actually, at the time, I paid my schooling up front each semester oh. to qualify for a 25% discount. Oh, smart. Yeah, so sure you're right my about parents kind of <laughs> tricked me. I'm, I'm kind of glad they did, but the first semester they they offered, they said, really thrilled that you're in, you've made it to uni. I was the first one in my family, okay, yeah. so it was a big deal. <laughs> they were excited. Um, yeah, and we'll pay. And then in second semester, I landed the job. 
Yeah. So dad was like, no, it's over to you now. You're making your own money. So I <laughs> yeah. didn't want to switch to the HEC system, which is a what we have here in Australia where you, you start paying it back when you're earning a certain salary. Okay, so you can, in, wait, you can defer this. Exactly. Yeah. And then it's deducted. But you didn't want that because you didn't get your discount. I didn't want that. I thought it was such a good discount as well. Sure, it is. I was still living at home for most of the time. So it was doable. And I, yeah, I graduated without uni debt, which was good. That's fantastic. We talk about this a lot. Do you have uh, education savings plans for your kids? Is that a thing in in Australia? Yeah. Are you able to contribute to something like that if you wanted? An educate like an official education. Yeah, like so. Time? Let's say you, just a fund that uh, is government sponsored. Say so, we have something called a registered education savings plan. Okay, and you can start, and the government matches a little bit up to a certain amount per year. No, uh, we don't have that. No, so there, there you go. But There's something to, a really something big to lobby thing for. Here. Yeah, <laughs> schooling is really big here. I was public school educated, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. turned out fine. Sure, but, me too. But um, private schools are, oh, maybe it's a Sydney thing. They, they're becoming quite popular. Yeah, what's an annual, like an average annual tuition for a private school? In Sydney, they can be around the thirty thousand yeah, dollars a year. That's mark. about right. Public school is really good uh, where I'm from. Yeah. So the only people who have the money to do so are using the private. But I guess uh, there's benefits to each. I like the exposure to a diverse I uh, group really of people. I really like that too, for your though. kids as well. I really did like yeah. that. Yeah, I think it's still too early to tell. They're both at public schools mm-hmm. at the moment. Yeah, and I'll see. You get I to guess make a where their interests lie. Yeah. And, when do you um, make that choice? I'm, I'm going to have to... They are on two waiting lists okay, for yes. high school yeah. private lists. And the funny thing is that when I started inquiring a year ago, they'd already missed out on the opportunity wow. to attend in six years' time <laughs> oh, because man. a lot of parents put their kids down at birth. Wow. Or within the first year, it's highly competitive. I, do, um, I have such rebellion towards this. I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, I just You're think, not the only one. Yeah. yeah. But it, but you feel like it's going to be a benefit to them. I haven't decided yet, yeah. so I'm trying to keep my options open. Um, yeah. th- some claim to have um, more variety in subjects and sure. and extracurricular activities. Yeah. So if one of them's sporty or yeah, um, yeah. more creative, there might be more opportunities. You want to give Even them Even things like languages. Yeah, that, yeah. that might be nice too. Um, yeah. So just considering it at the moment, I'll, I'll cross that bridge when I come to it, but I didn't want to miss out on the option completely. Sure. So I thought when they're in year five and I need to decide, I'll, yeah. Yeah. I'll go and do my inspections and find out a little bit more. <laughs> but you, so you paid your way through and uh, came out debt free at yep. university. What would you be your policy for uh, for your kids? What do you think? Well, you have look, one in mind for it's like just, when... it's changed. Yeah, so okay. you, there's no longer a discount. Oh, you don't get the discount no, anymore. No, that's just changed in okay. recent years. It did go down to ten percent, mm-hmm. and then it was wiped completely just over a year ago. I think. Interesting. That is really interesting. If there's no real incentive for you to pay it up front. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, other than the the, the positive thing of not free. finishing debt free or not, uh, or just you know, there is some satisfaction, right? Definitely, which you probably had. Yeah, and it is great to be able to start a job, which is usually a lower paying job when it's your usually. first job, knowing that all that money is yours to spend as you wish, and that a chunk of it will not have to go towards your tuition. That, that is super nice. Uh, yeah. I've heard I heard of this. I didn't have that experience myself, but yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. But you finished, and and uh, were you then? 
able to work Clio full time? Yeah, I was at Clio full time. Yeah, you were anyway. already. So, so I um yeah, I stayed within that company. It was called ACP Magazines at the time. And I moved around to a few other magazines. Sure. I worked at a launch magazine called Madison. Okay. And then I came back to Cleo as a senior writer. And then I moved to a different publishing company, Women's Health. Okay, nice. Which was quite a big brand. That's, and then, that's global. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then I dabbled in PR. It was what I'd studied. Yeah, PR yeah. And so you studied that, but you weren't working in it. And well, yeah, well, why did why you decide to make the shift at this point? Yeah, I, it was something I was always interested in, yeah. PR and marketing. And I just understood consumers and, and I, I love shopping myself. So I often put myself in, in their shoes and think, well, what would I want? How would a, a bank get through to me? Yeah. I am the customer. I'm a mum. I'm a millennial. Like, That's how are they talking to me? Yeah. Yeah, and that, I guess... Um, That's what we want. That's what we want in a publication. Somebody who's like us uh, trying to figure out what we want. And I think that's what helped me as well with my initial, oh, I'm not so sure about this, um, going into finance mm. with middle-aged men and people yeah. thinking, I don't know my stuff. And then I thought, well, why can't I be the different one? I, I can, it. Yeah, I can go out and... There are lots of women out there just like me and maybe I'm talking to them and maybe that's what they want to hear. So, And it was this, because uh, I'm seeing, like when I did the research for uh, this podcast series, I just found a lot of women in the media yep. are, you know, writing books or, you know, at the top of their game. And I thought, this is great. Yep. When did this all, did this all sort of come to be in the last 10 years or... You know, what, yeah. What's the timeline on this? I would say it's probably been in the last five to ten five years. Five to ten years, yeah. yeah. Certainly growing up, there was no female financial yeah. role model. Sure. Right? Um, in Australia, we did have an amazing CEO of Westpac, Gail Kelly. Okay, great. So, um, so one of the biggest banks. Exactly, the one of the big four. <laughs> yeah. Big four. So, um, and a few others like her who are yeah. um, part of financial councils and, and things like that and uh, it's really inspiring to see. Yeah, it's it's a great point of difference and I, I think very inspiring for younger people. I came across, uh, is it Chief Executive Women? This is a group, yes. uh, CW. Yeah. Do you know anything about that? Do you know people who are part of that? Or yeah. Are you part of it? I'm not part of that one. I'm part of um, Business Chicks. Okay, um, Business Chicks. Nice. Yeah, there, like there's that. a lot of group, um, female and group And these networking. have probably just been coming up in the last five years or so too, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah, I think it's been around for longer than that, but they've taken off in the last yeah. few years. And a lot of people go and um, you can either be a business owner or um, have a, a full-time job and you just go and network and meet people and we all want to see each other do well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I noticed you've written a bit for Financy. Is a lot of what you're writing or everything you're writing targeted towards women? Is that no. the idea? No, not everything. No, no it's just um, to the average Aussie consumer. Sure, sure. Yeah, try to help everyone save money and make the best of their yeah. benefit personal financial situation and that's the key everyone's situation is different mm-hmm. so what's good for me might not be good for you but um you can't be complacent don't pay the lazy tax yeah <laughs> exactly yeah i've been hearing a little bit about uh, uh the gender pay gap in australia is that is that still a big thing here is like you know say in a position like yours you know do you have an equivalent somewhere else who's getting paid more and is it well it's interesting crazy, because in my field pr and communications it's actually female dominated amazing so okay. and i've never personally had that issue okay um it, it has been um an issue on a national scale i guess yeah. for the last couple of years okay. there was a 
of a high profile case late last year. A breakfast TV show presenter quit because she wasn't getting the same pay mm. as her male counterpart. Okay, interesting. And that really made And headlines. they're like co-hosts, so probably. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. And it wasn't even close. Mm. Yeah. And she'd been there for 10 years and... Wow. Yeah. So it you do hear of the odd case here and there. And of course, I have a son and a daughter. I would okay. not want them paid differently no. for the same job. So I'm, I'm hoping that'll be phased out gradually. Yeah, how do we, how does this change? Do you you have any insight on that? Well, Finder is a fintech company that's growing um, and going global. And we've actually got a 50-50 workforce. So we've got a lot of women that work here and everybody is paid regarding their skills and their abilities. Like it would never come into it. It sounds like we could just take the gender off the table. Exactly. Best person for the job. What's your skills and experience? The blind, don't they do blind interviews in some cases? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good idea. We should implement that. Right? Like yeah. like uh, on the, the Voice, uh, the TV show, The Voice, where yeah. they don't get to see the the singer. They just judge them on The Voice. That could that's, be a thing. That's what it is, right? Yeah. Are you doing a lot of writing um, uh, still as PR? Is that like yeah. more media? What's your so, sort of balance? Because I started as a journalist. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit complicated. I studied marketing, but then my first job at Clio was writing. I I do have a real love for writing. Yeah, it seems so. Yeah, so I do write a lot. I write a lot of blogs, do lots of um, Q&As, media interviews. I really enjoy just being able to um, get some messaging out there and and some tips and hopefully helpful advice. Amazing. And uh, so, yeah, what's the what's the future for you? Do you like you going to just keep growing Finder? Is that the idea? Yeah, the idea is to become a household name. Yeah. So when I got the job here and I was telling people I'd quit my current job to move over to Finder, a lot of people were were asking, what is that? I've never heard of okay. it. And I have to say, I was even a little bit confused about exactly the direction of the company at that time. Mm-hmm. But I was really excited by the vision of the the founders, Fred and Frank, who went to school together okay. and, and started the company from scratch as a credit card blog. Oh, interesting. And then, just comparing, like a comparison? Credit, yeah, or just student credit what's cards. What's the best one? Or... And then it just it, it snowballed from there. They started mm. adding other personal financial products. And in the last 12 months or so, we've diversified even further. So we compare things like travel, pet insurance, online yeah. shopping, NBN, it goes on and on. The National Broadband Network. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so broadband and um, telco and sure. phone plans, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. All the stuff that applies to people every day. Exactly. And the decisions that we're making every day that we don't have the time to do our own comparison shopping, you guys are making it easier. Yeah, and a lot of the time things happen in life stages. So mm, you, you're yeah. finishing school or university for the first time and might be moving out of home or going on your first overseas holiday or getting your first car. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all related to, to what we do, but we're, we're trying to make it easier for people to make the right decision. Mm-hmm. So it's finder.com.au. That's it. And like, are you global? Like, I feel like I've seen maybe, was there an American We version? are now global. So yeah. there's finder.com in the US. We've You're got able a... to get finder.com? Is yeah, that <laughs> eventually. Okay. It was a bit of a battle. Yeah, I'm but we sure got it was, it. and it probably cost a lot of money. Yes, it did. <laughs> um, we did uh, set up operations there probably uh, about two, two and a half years ago. Okay, yeah. Um, and the team's growing there quite steadily. Wow. We've also got an office in the UK. Okay. 
Yeah, we've got maybe a development. Maybe you'll come to Canada? Yeah, oh, that is the plan. Okay, Canada great. is on the yeah. map. We'd love to um, grow further. We're looking into some Asian countries as well. Amazing. Canada's on the list, New Zealand as well. Mm-hmm. We've got a an office in the Philippines and Poland as well. Wow, Poland, that seems Poland's so random. Poland's our yeah, development team. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, we've got a lot based here, but we've got a great sure. um, tech uh, development team there as well. Awesome. So people can go to finder.com.au or just, you know, search for finder.com in whatever country. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, well, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank uh, I'm, you, I'm glad to be able to do this while in Australia and, you know, just to, to promote, you know, financial literacy for everybody, for women. It's very important, you know, to have different people uh, at the top and for people to see, you know, that it's possible. I think that's important. Thank you, Doug. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're already a subscriber, please let me know what you think of the show. You can email me at bo at bowhumphreys.com or tag me on Twitter at bowhumphreys. It would be nice to know who's out there and who's listening. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Personal Finance Show. Next week, my Australian Personal Finance series continues with my first anonymous guest. She goes by the first name Tina and has an Australian financial independence retire early blog called Money Flamingo.